0: This is Ascension, leader of the Immortal Rebellion from Leviathan. I've been alive for centuries, and I listen to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
1: The Sci-Fi Diner Podcast Serving the latest news In sci-fi multimedia And now your hosts Scott and Miles Your table is ready
2: we long and busted This is the capital We have a little problem with our inter-sequence So we may experience some slight turbulence And then explode I got a bad feeling about this Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a free show.
3: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 168. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin we're here tonight to talk about tons of awesome sauce that we're serving up as far as the world of science fiction. Great trailers, great news, mm-hmm. phenomenal interview. You like that girl phenomenal? Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. It goes along with the awesome sauce, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, hey, it makes sense. We're serving up food. What do you put in food? Sauce. sauce.
4: Yeah. There we go. Uh, Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. Uh, Enjoyed the season finale of Walking Dead. A little sad about the wait till fall to comes back, but I thought they did a pretty good job with that one. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed mm-hmm. downloading it mm-hmm. and not
3: you, watching you, it. You have a lot to catch up on. <laughs> I, I didn't make it past episode three of Walking Dead this season. So mm-hmm. when you need some new stuff to watch, you'll have that. I will. I'm still working my way through Grimm and mm-hmm. I got Fifth Element, which, by the way, we have coming up two weeks from now. We're going to be doing our, our uh, sci fi rewind. Right. And we'll be doing the fifth element. So if you want to join us, you can watch it or send in your thoughts and comments too. 1888-508-4343. Yes. Nope.
4: Um
3: and anything else while else going on your own?
4: Oh absolutely. Oh, lots of stuff. Um uh, enjoying Arrow, enjoying uh Revolution came back. So enjoying that. Um uh, what else? What else? Um, and uh Leviathan Chronicles came back. So Watch the first uh, episode of season two, so, and we have we have a good interview with uh, Christoph. Lepicu, look, look forward to later.
3: Yep, and it should be an awesome. I'm really looking forward to that interview. Mm-hmm. But um, I just got a text. I got to share this. You know they're you know they're making the sequel to Finding Nemo.
4: I think I remember reading
3: that. Yep. Yeah, Finding Dory. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, I saw this coming across the news. I know this is not sci-fi related, mm-hmm. but, I mean, we do sort of fish here at the diner, so come on. Uh, Dory's not one of them. But, you know, can't you come up with a better title? You was. It almost seems like a rehash, rehash of the original mm-hmm. movie, and I'm sure it's not. Uh, but, but if I judge it just by the title, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: I mean, granted, you need to, I mean, Ellen kind of stole the show, right? Right. In, right. That, in her first movie. So whatever. We can get off of that. We can talk about this later, Miles. <laughs> but uh, send us your thoughts on Finding Dory. So to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, one 888
4: But uh, anyways. The, the penguins that were yelling, mine, 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 you know, come to them. Um, peng- um, uh, seagulls. Seagulls, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: Anyways, uh, in my world sci-fi, I'm still in Game of Thrones season mm-hmm. five. Uh, I did oh. not. I know that some of you are watching season three. Um, I'm reading it. I'm not watching it, obviously. Uh, But things are going great Mm -hmm. with that, and I'm really enjoying it. It's just a slow process. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to send some thanks out to some people that are helping just make this podcast what it is. Uh, Thank you, Miles, for being on the podcast every every other week when we record.
4: It's my pleasure as always. Yeah, so and
3: uh, but I want to thank Jay Smith. Jay Smith is the one that made available that awesome interview we
4: heard with Dan Aykroyd. Mm -hmm. I mean, whenever
3: do you get the chance to interview one of the original Ghostbusters?
4: All right, or or Blues. You know, Blues Brother. Yeah,
3: you name it. He's mm-hmm. been it. Saturday Night Live, Coneheads, uh, and a 1,001 other things that he's done. Sure. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoyed that short interview with a little bit of information about Ghostbusters in it. So if you missed that interview, go back and check it out in our last episode. Uh, so thank you for that. Thanks also for M tonight. M is joining us and providing some of the voice work you're going to be hearing that kind of introduces the various segments of our show. Uh, we used to do a little bit more of introducing different segments way early on the podcast. You remember us doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's back like episode like 45. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of got away from it. Um, and I'm not sure why. But,
4: well, eh, but I I'm, I'm sure I'm sure and will, will add a nice uh, a nice thing to it. Yeah. So she's
3: in a sense. She's like the hostess of the show.
4: Oh, yeah. Sounds,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, like bringing people to their seats. Introducing him to what's on the menu in
4: the segments. And, mm-hmm. and so. she has the perfect voice for it. And
1: here's tonight's menu.
4: So, Miles, what is on the menu tonight? Okay, tonight we uh, have new trivia question this week and uh, some TV news about uh, Game of Thrones, which won't surprise anybody, uh, and special interest news. Uh, s- some um, well-known people in the Star Trek world thought they'd have a little fun with their April Fool's Day. And in movie news, we have a, a few trailers. We have a Wolverine trailer and a Percy Jackson uh, Sea of Monsters trailer. We'll have our interview later with Christoph Lapuka In this week's twist, we have a, a new, newly released, it was released about a week ago, a new Star Trek trailer with a little, little more footage in it. We got a better idea who Peter Weller's uh, character is. And our sci-fi at five, I thought, well, since Game of, Thro- I mean, Game of Thrones, um, that's, that's still on the brain, How much watching yeah. it too. Uh, but but uh, uh, Walking Dead... Uh, wrapped up its its season, so we have some great uh, Walking Dead quotes for our uh, Sci-Fi Five.
3: Sounds awesome. In case you haven't noticed, the past couple times we've done the twist, there have been, like, trailers of Star Trek and... I just want you to know Miles is not excited at all that this movie is coming out and so you'll just have to bear with the fact that we pray we, we're going to play like the regular trailer then the international trailer then the international extended trailer it
4: just just, just happens it people just, are saying I need to get off the fence about that right 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 mm-hmm. so you need to you need to you need to take
3: more of a stand show us that you're a little bit more interested if you're going to do this segment Miles mm-hmm. you really have to have an
4: interest in Star Trek I'm just saying I suppose you're right <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes.
0: It's all still waiting for you. The Fields of Trends and law, the Fall of the Eleventh, and the question. The first question. The question
4: that must never be answered. It, it play sight, the question you've been running from all your life. All right, in this week's trivia, we're going to ask you, so Peter, Willer, Peter Weller is in the new Star Trek Into, Into Darkness movie, but he was in another Star Trek project. What other Star Trek project did he uh, guest star in? I just want to see if you can see say Peter Weller five times real fast. I better not. It might, <laughs> I might say something I, sh- I shouldn't.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway... So that is a question. You mm-hmm. know, what other project did Peter Wells star in? Star Trek related. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said RoboCop. Miles said it was wrong. You dead wrong. Dead, dead wrong. Dead. Yes. Um, and uh, what can they win if they uh, actually
4: answer to this correct? Well, we are going to give away a uh, a Lee Ehrenberg signed autograph print that he graciously gave us to us at the Farpoint Convention.
3: Awesome. And and,
4: and the um, the hundred page. Uh, uh, spectacular uh, Star Trek comic book that came out last winter.
3: Ooh, 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 ooh. that so, sounds
4: awesome. So I'll get some nice prizes for you if you answer yeah, so, that question. so
3: uh, all Star Trek related because Lee Ehrenberg is Star Trek related. And people know him now as like Grumpy and Once Upon a Time. But mm-hmm. before Grumpy and before Pirates, he was uh, on Star Trek.
4: He did. He guest-starred in many episodes of Star Trek, yes. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. As
3: a Ferengi, right?
4: Uh, a Ferengi, a Telerite, a Malon. I'm trying to think if he did anything else. But, mm-hmm. uh, but plenty. But plenty. Plenty, plenty of in Star Trek, yeah. Now... If they answer this, they do need to include what? We are asking for a code word because we're trying to keep the spammers away. Right. So uh, the code word is parlay.
3: Parlay. And if you want to answer this trivia, you can send us an email at sci fi at gmail.com or call us at 1888 888 4343 You can also attach an MP3 to your email. And if you don't want to do any of that, you can send it through SpeakPipe. So SpeakPipe's available on the side of the page. All right, well, thank you, Miles, for sharing us that trivia. You're welcome. Let's yeah. move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is from the Liberate podcast. This is actually, I, they call themselves Liberate, a Continuum podcast. And mm-hmm. if you haven't watched Continuum, you won't know what Liberate is. But Liberate is kind of the quasi-terrorist group that we aren't sure is totally bad.
4: Um, yeah, their methods, I would say, are definitely bad. But their message, yeah, th- there's probably something in there that resonates with everybody. Yeah. So, uh,
3: agree with that. But mm-hmm. if you are looking for more continuum, now that's off the air here, although season two, I think is airing in Canada it's airing, right?
4: and we'll probably get it back in, you know, here in June. I,
3: I know it's been picked up. We saw it got picked up that was in the news. So, mm-hmm. uh, but if you want some more continuum, check out the liberate a continuum podcast.
2: Hey, this is Mike and Dave from liberate a continuum
4: podcast at continuumpodcast.com. And our future selves came back in time to tell us we need to get more listeners because apparently in 2020, Continuum is just a few viewers shy of a new record for the highest rated, longest running Canadian sci-fi show in history.
2: Yeah, plus they told us that our podcast will eventually interview all of the various cast members, but they still haven't scored one with Rachel Nichols. So help us out, will you? Listen to Liberate, a Continuum podcast
4: with Mike and Dave.
2: Subscribe on iTunes or go to ContinuumPodcast.com.
4: The future is in your hands.
1: For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia.
3: We are now into our new segment of the show. Tell us, what are we serving up as far as news goes this week? Understand you have a hot item. Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones comes back. We have one episode
4: down And what happens? Uh, One episode down and HBO decides to renew it for a fourth season, which is um, not a huge surprise because Game of Thrones is doing extremely well for HBO. But um, so HBO wants more dragons and drama. Tuesday, the network confirmed that Game of Thrones has been renewed for a fourth season. The announcement comes just two days after the show's third season premiere. We're not surprised by this decision considering Thrones growing fan base. Via the press release, according to uh, early data, Game of Thrones Season 3, which premiered March 31st on HBO, topped the series' highs with uh, record viewership for both the the 9 p.m. airing and uh, gross audience across three plays at at 9 p.m. It averaged 4.4 million viewers, outperforming the previous high of of 4.2 million viewers from the last season's finale. Game of Thrones improved 13% in comparison to last season's premiere, 3.9 3.9 million viewers across the three plays for the night 6.7 million viewers tuned in surpassing last season's uh, debut of uh, 6.3 million viewers of by 7% last season Game of Thrones had an average gross audience uh, HBO linear plays plus HBO on demand uh, of uh, 11.6 million viewers Game of Thrones is based on the fa- fantasy book series by George R.R. R. Martin current season will consist of 10 episodes and once again the, the, the trials and tribulations of uh westeros so are you excited for another season of game of thrones heck yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and again
3: i am not caught up i mm-hmm. you know i haven't watched season two yet they just released an dvd and i haven't bought i haven't bought the series mm-hmm. um and then i haven't I'm, I'm not watching it really on demand i don't have hbo but i'm i'm fascinated by this, this series i've read all five books from. i'm most of the way through book five, over Mm -hmm. halfway through book five. And it is a well-developed and well-written series. And I think it translates well to
4: television. Absolutely. I mean, you have very well thought out, interesting characters. I mean, no surprise here. Tyrion Lannister is one of my favorite characters. Uh, Whenever he's on screen, I just want to know, what's he going to do next? What what is he going to say next? Because it's either going to be very amusing or poignant and... Um, I mean they they're all good but but uh they 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 struck gold when they um uh, with Peter Dinklage well, for yeah. uh, Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, by the
3: way, did, did you see the uh April Fools joke that was going around the internet yesterday about Peter Dinklage?
4: No, I didn't. Yeah, he was leaving Game of Thrones. Oh, that's a cruel joke. <laughs> it was that they were going to get another actor to replace him. But, oh man. Yeah, so that that's- was a <laughs> There are some really bad April Fool's (laughs) jokes. uh, (laughs) There were.
3: We're going to talk about some of them a little bit later on. Yes, we will. But uh, Game of Thrones, this is a wise move from HBO. This has to be one of HBO's top series. And you know what this does more than anything for me is it puts fantasy on the map. Mm -hmm. It puts fantasy, science fiction on the map. um, And it's been a long time since we had that big of a viewership for a sci-fi show.
4: That is true. Um,
3: I think... I want to say fringe in the early days, early days, mm-hmm. maybe, but in there are a few, and like Terra Nova, like the opening episode, but we're talking season three and it's viewership has just continued to grow. Oh my God. And that's really thanks to the DVDs. Thanks to a lot of word of mouth of people getting into it. Uh, that it, it's, it's totally understandable that after people were into season two and they're, they, they watched in DVD and they're like, I need me some more game of Thrones. Sure. It's totally makes sense.
4: Yeah, exactly, and I, it's it's a great story. I mean, when you first watch it, there, there is no, I mean, season one has no magic or or dragons until the last episode. But then season two, you, I mean, I'm almost through season two now. You're you're starting to see a little magic, and you're definitely see you know seeing little dragons here.
3: When and yeah. this is what makes this series so phenomenal that even as you get further into the books, even though there is that, it is not the forefront of the story. It's like this is just a part of them existing in their world. Mm-hmm. And what magic there is, is just kind of incorporated into that, mm-hmm. you know? And so the dragons are there and that obviously tips it off that direction. But, um, it's not a, it's really this raw and guttural existence as these people are exi- eking out.
4: Right. I mean, the, the world has just gone to pot and try to see these people deal with it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and winter is coming. Winter is com- definitely coming. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, let's move into some special interest
3: news. Our favorite Star Trek veteran George Dekay, Dekay,
4: Dekay, Dekay, Dekay. There we go. Rhymes with William Shatner's yeah. Toupee. Yeah, Toupee, Um
3: Our favorite Star Trek veteran William Shatner's uh performs the Jedi mind meld in the new Star Wars film. Looks like it's another banner April first for actor George Dekay. Takei. Uh last year on this date news hit the Star Trek veteran would get his own spin-off film called Star Trek Excelsior reached George Kai to target the explosion and fire again in the Sulu spin-off Star Trek Excelsior now the actor Beth known for his role in the original the, as the original Sulu in the Star Trek universe, revealed that he'll be starring in JJ Abrams Star Wars reboot called Star Wars Galactic Empire set to start filming early next year and the new film Takai will reach will stretch his acting abilities to limit in to the limit in the role of a Master Setai Maru, a member of the Jedi High Council. The Geeks of Doom learned exclusively that Takai will be indeed performing the classic Jedi mind meld in Star Wars Galactic Empire. Check out the promo still here below of Takai as Master Seti Maru, which the actor posted on his Facebook page. Also, here's the original news he posted on his page today, April 1st, 2013. Friends... I am thrilled to announce that I'll be starring in Star Wars Reboot directed by J.J. Abrams. I'll be playing Master Setai Mar- Maru, a member of the Jedi High Council. The new film, entitled Star Wars Galactic Empire, is greenlit and will begin filming sometime early next year. It is truly a moment for the Star Alliance. Thanks to all my fans for their decades of support.
4: <laughs> right, and then we found out later that it was April Fool's.
3: Yes, yes, mm-hmm. but we knew it was April Fool's. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, as 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 I heard it. I mean he I I, I follow him on Facebook also and I saw that and most people weren't going for it. Yeah, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't the only one. He you know, he he, he the, to be out to, not to be outdone, but uh, William Shatner also thought he would uh, have some April Fools uh fun. Yeah. And so he William Shatner says, "I am happy to announce that you will see me on the big screen in 2015." Um and uh, that, that's in reference to the new Star Wars uh, films. But uh, th- then he had to say, with the end of April 1st drawing me near, the end of the Star Wars charade must also come to a close. May the farce be with you. <laughs> um,
3: you know, I just learned that it's better to stay off the internet in April Fool's Day. Yes, it because is. Because you can't believe a darn thing anyone says. I mean, the, the guys over at the Sci-Fi Christian said... Uh, ben Debono and Matt Anderson were resigning from the podcast and handing it off to one of their co- mm. other, other people. Mm. And it would be continuing in a slightly different format. I almost
4: believed them. Yeah April, yeah, April Fool's jokes. I just yeah. can't deal with. Them. Yeah, so enough of them. Mm. But, but, not an
3: April Fool's joke. We have a new Wolverine trailer. That is true. And we'll play it for you very shortly. Yeah, well, let's play it. Let's play it right now. Let's not play it shortly. Let's play it looking forward to this. Um, so we're going to play it and then we'll talk about it in the back end.
2: Eternity can be your curse. The losses you have had to suffer. A man can run out of things to live for. Lose his purpose.
1: Dying, He wants to thank you for saving his life. It's an honor to meet the Wolverine. That's
2: not who I am anymore. I didn't send for you only to thank you, Logan. I wanted to repay you. A gift to equal the life you gave me. You have struggled long enough. Our company can do anything, I can make you mortal.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, here's the thing. I remember when the first Wolverine came out and people were kind of panning it early on. And then I got a chance to watch the thing, and it was one of the best movies I watched that year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best, but it was a really good movie. And this has the makings of that
4: again. Right. I be. I'm, I'm not sure where this falls in the timeline of Wolverine. I assume it's sometime before he. Joined the X-Men, I would you assume. You would think so. Right, but... Uh,
3: but sometimes set after the Wolverine. Right. Uh, Hugh Jackman is just the band. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from Les Mis to this, what a transformation of character.
4: Action star and, um, you know, Broadway... uh you Jean-Paul know Jean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's
3: just... It, this uh I think this is set. If I'm correct, with there, there was a, there was a Japanese line of the comic where he was in Japan, and I think that's where this is set. Mm-hmm. I believe it was a four episode or four uh, comic book arc or something like that. Could be wrong about that. Listeners, you can correct me if I am wrong about that. But you know, this obviously is taking a place in that taking place in that area area, and you know, he's kind of incognito, and but the Wolverine is unleashed by the end. So mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be very cool to see that see, see see him back on the screen and I cannot wait. When is this movie set to come out? I didn't catch the date on this. July. Oh, it says it right here. July twenty sixth, twenty thirteen. So it'll be a mid summer has potential to be a summer blockbuster. It, it does. We're going to be at the beach that week. I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to see it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, or maybe shortly we can go see it. So we'll to we'll see. That's a possibility. There's plenty to do it shortly mm-hmm. beyond that. Well, let's move in. We have another trailer here, and this is for uh, Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. Do you want to do the, read a little bit of the
4: write-up before we play this? Sure. So this summer we can expect a, a fun movie for the whole family in Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters, which is a sequel, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, uh, both of which books by Rick Royden. While this may be one of those, those times when I actually read the books that, that inspire the movies, Nathan Fillion, who plays Hermes, is an easy sell for a good time with the movies. So the synopsis is, in this retelling of Rick Riordan's book, The Sea Monsters, Percy Jackson, accompanied by his friends uh, Annabelle Chase, Clarissa LaRue, and, and Tyson, his half-brother, goes on a journey to the Sea of Monsters to retrieve the Golden Fleece and save Camp Half-Blood. I learned that the gods of Olympus are real. And sometimes
3: they have children with humans called Half-Bloods. We're pretty much like anyone else you'd meet. But with a few notable differences, we live in the only place that is safe for our kind.
1: Until now. What is that? Go inside. To the Oracle. Percy. Cronos,
2: a force so evil. Three of his sons, Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon, destroyed him. He's fated to rise again to exact his vengeance on Olympus and the world. The only thing that has the power to save our home is the Golden Fleece. It's in the sea of monsters, but the humans call the Bermuda Triangle. Our quest calls for only our finest hero, the best of us, the daughter of the god of war,
0: Clarice! Don't worry about always coming in second, Jackson. You
2: know, everything they say about you is wrong, Clarice. You actually do have a sense of humor. <laughs> This is a bad idea. You don't even know what I was gonna say. You were gonna say that you're going out to the fleece.
1: Actually, he was gonna say we were? It's a chariot of damnation. Looks like a New York City cab. Same difference. The exact same. Please.
2: That
5: was...
3: Awesome! We will resurrect Cronos, and the Olympians will
4: know death.
5: Percy! We really need your help, and we don't have a lot of time.
4: You twist the cap off this, you release the winds from the four corners of the world.
2: What? Oh, no, no! Not in here!
4: You're not in here?
0: We'll find the fleece. It's
1: so time Only those aren't sharks. Those aren't sharks.
3: I'd see it just see Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, did you watch the first one, Miles?
4: Uh, no, I did get a chance to see the first one. So
3: uh, you probably want to watch the first one before mm-hmm. I guess seeing this. It gives a little bit of a preamble. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the books, but, you know, I know that my students have been very much into this series. And so I'm just glad to see that the first one was well-received enough to bring the second book to light. I always love to see when they bring novels to
4: the big screen. Sure, sure. But, yeah, this looks like something you could take your family to. And Well,
3: you know,
4: Kiefer might be a bit young. Okay,
3: but but you know you never know, mm-hmm. you never know. He gets freaked out about weird things, so okay, you, never, you know you, you just never know. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, so Percy Jackson. If you enjoy the series, check it out. So this trail looks interesting and uh, definitely looks more like a kids or teen oriented movie. But.
4: Yeah, definitely. Pour
1: yourself a tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news on This Week in Star Trek.
4: This Week in Star Trek, there was a a, a new uh, trailer uh, released, and like I had said earlier, we get a little more insight into who Peter Weller's character is, and so... Um that's pretty much all we have going on for this week in Star Trek but we have a but we do have a new trailer for you. All right, so let's go watch a new trailer for RoboCop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right.
2: You think your world is safe. It is an illusion. Enjoy these final moments of
0: peace. By now all of you have heard what happened in London. Man who did it
2: is one of our top agents. Your commanders have committed a crime I cannot forgive. None of you are safe. Clear the road! Have I got your attention now? This could just be the beginning. I request permission to go after him. Starfleet is not about vendetta, Kirk. Maybe it should be, sir. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do.
0: We're gonna do this, we gotta do it now! We will not fit. We'll fit, will fit!
2: I thought we fit. I am not sure that qualifies. I watched you murder innocent men and women. I will make you answer for what you did. You have no idea what you have done. I will walk over your cold corpses. Let's go! We're
5: outgunned.
1: Outnumbered.
2: So we come out shooting. At what? Everything.
3: tell you about things, some things I like about this trailer. Most. Okay. And then you can comment Peter Weller. And all we know. You know, here's one of the things I like about this trailer, maybe more so than some of the others, is two things. First of all, there are pretty, some pretty phenomenal quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just about, and you, get, you begin to see a little bit of the writing, you know, that, with going through that narrow space. It goes, we'll fit, we'll fit. See, I told you we'd fit. And <laughs> Spock's response. And even the, the the between him and Bones about uh, when, he, when he's going, what are you going to do? He goes, "Well, I'm doing what the only thing I know I can do." Yeah, you know, and, and there's some just some memorable quotes that are beginning to crop up just in this trailer that gives me hope for the dialogue of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention the action, which we kind of knew was there. And the other thing is, we get Cumberbatch's character, who's just a cold villain that seems unstoppable. And and what's great about this is you know that. One of the things that the crew of the Enterprise is always good at is facing the inevitable odds and the and the unstoppableness of any villain. Sure, you know, yeah, you know, like you think with Khan, Khan seems unstoppable. Here we have another villain that seems unstoppable.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts about this trailer for you? Well, we, like, we, we see, we knew Peter Willow was going to be this movie. We, we weren't sure what, but he's playing a Starfleet admiral in this. And according I- IMDb. His, his character's name is Admiral Marcus, so that would make him the father of Carol Marcus, the the the, the blonde-haired woman in this movie. Um, and Love interest of of Kirk, yeah, yeah.
3: which we see her
4: kind of disrobed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it wasn't in this trailer, but in another trailer. He had said that that uh, character was one of was a Starfleet agent. Hence, why he's in a, in a Starfleet uniform. So, my theory is this: this guy might be one of. I still think he could be one of Khan's henchmen, but maybe Starfleet apprehended the Botany Bay before the Enterprise did, and that's how they got a hold of him. It's it's a stretch, but it would explain why he's. He says he's better, and we see him physically being able to do stuff that, you know, no human can do. So, that's that's the theory I have.
3: That line he has just is so cold. He goes, I'm better at He goes, what? At everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just just that final final statement. It'll be great to see all these quotes actually play in context when we see the movie. Movie's coming out what
4: date? Uh, Uh, May 17th. May 17th. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be an exciting day for you, Miles. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) We should should go to a midnight premiere. Uh, I'm not sure I'm still... I mean, I I know it's Star Trek, but... I'm not sure. My midnight premiere. I don't know about that. I'm probably catch that Saturday. Okay. Well, very mm-hmm.
3: good. Well, thank you for sharing this uh, trailer. My and, pleasure. Um, sorry for dogging you about it early on, but no, sorry. no, it's great, great trailer and uh, a great, great, great information in that trailer. Uh, let's move into our last promo tonight. Our last promo is from Jim Arrowwood, who runs Jim's Sci-Fi Blog. And uh, you can hear him talk a little bit more about it if you want to find out what he's thinking in regards to the new Star Trek movie and about a myriad of other books. This guy is a phenomenal reader; just reads tons of stuff. He's on this Philip K. Dick kick right now. And uh, but if you want to find out more about what's going on, what's rambling around his head, check into Jim's Sci-Fi
4: blog. When you don't read Jim's Sci-Fi blog, you are uninformed of the science fiction world. When you are uninformed about the science fiction world, you go to the cantina. When you go to the cantina, you meet attractive Cylon women who want to take you to outer space.
1: I wondered when you'd get here.
4: When Cylon women take you to outer space, you have to run for your life.
2: Go, go, go!
4: When you run for your life, you trip on a tribble and sprain your wrist. When you sprain your wrist, you get medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop.
2: I had a fruit cocktail once.
4: Don't seek medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. Assimilate Jim's blogcom Resistance is futile.
5: McAllen, Robertson and Underchief Watson walked down a few more steps to get closer to the rotating barriers, which stood over 13 feet high. A silver metal plate was affixed to the floor. McAllen stared at Robertson before stepping on top of it. As soon as McAllen stepped on the plate, the two spinning barriers quickly accelerated before slowing to a stop allowing the two openings to now align themselves, thus allowing entry into the center. We're in. Robertson and Watson followed McAllen into the center, where she approached the keyboard to access the server. As soon as the team entered the center, the two thick plexiglass barriers began spinning, preventing any egress from the interior. Gregor Roginski bounced back to the large server chamber and stared at the team from outside the clear barrier.
2: Defensive perimeter established. What are you seeing on the screen,
5: McAllen?
1: Black logo, current activity... Field work. I'm now seeing several directories. How many? 20. Bingo.
5: You found McAllen. Anton, can you still read us? Let's hurry. Get what we need and get the hell out of here. I'm going to try to access the 12th directory.
2: Is it giving you access?
5: No. No, it isn't. It's prompting me for the access code. Are you sure you know the exact code, McAllen? Miley told me.
2: And what is the code?
5: Mother bear. The room fell silent as McCallan typed the access code into the prompt on the server and waited. What's it doing? Do we have access? I... I'm not sure. It... The other members of the strike force all converged around McCallan to look at the server monitor that was now spitting out rows and rows of numbers and codes. The screen flashed white for a moment and then fell dark.
2: What the hell? It's a map.
5: It's zooming in on the location. A
2: Black Door safe house. It's
5: holding in on the west coast.
1: Panning north to the Pacific Northwest.
2: There's some remote regions of the Cascade Mountains.
1: Wait, no,
5: it's moving offshore. Some sort of ship, maybe the stations are? going
2: further north. No. It's got to be in close proximity
5: to our location. The screen zoomed in further on a small gray speck surrounded by the flashing blue sea of the Gulf of Alaska. The speck widened until a metal superstructure could be seen, and soon a small heliport and loading crane could be discerned from the growing image on the monitor. It's Iron Gate. This place is the safe house? It's not a safe house. No, 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 no! Missile lock. The server monitor tinted red as a target crosshair formed over the image of Iron Gate. Rows of numbers, trajectories and headings scrolled furiously down the screen. She double-crossed us. Robertson, get us out of here, now. Everyone, fuck! With one powerful sweep of his arm, Robertson threw Watson and McAllen to the ground. As he shouldered the massive rifle he carried and unloaded the HMX projectiles from the wide center barrels of his gun. Shattering the thick walls into burned, smoking shards. Move now! In a split second, everything in the world shifted and no longer made sense to McCallan Orsall. As one of the four massive pillars supporting the Eingate Gate rig gave way, the floor that had been under McCallan suddenly shifted upwards violently, and all the walls and doors she viewed now lurched forcefully to the side, throwing her into one of the sharp shards of the plexiglass barrier. Fires now erupted everywhere. Watson grabbed her and quickly got her head under McCallan's arm for support, pushing her forward. The stairs. Get to the stairs. Robertson immediately took point and began sprinting up the stairs. Gregor limped behind them, bleeding from his head. Come on, come on! Another explosion rocked the station, sending debris flying everywhere. Robertson! One of the steel girders collapsed from the roof and smashed through the staircase, creating a ten-foot gap between Robertson and the rest of the team. They were separated and trapped. Jump! I'll catch you! Heatha Watson took three steps back and exploded up the remaining steps, leaping over 15 feet and landing beside Robertson. McCowan jumped forward but landed directly on the same ledge Robertson was standing on. The abrupt stop in her momentum pushed her backwards, causing her to fall back into the growing fire below. I got you, McKellan. Robertson's hand snatched her belt buckle. He pushed her aside and turned his attention to the last member of the strike force. Come oh, on, Jump now, Game But the head injury he sustained was clearly taking its effect on Gregor. He squinted his eyes for a moment. It looked like he had trouble seeing the staircase. With the heat of the fires now stinging the backs of his legs, he began a clumsy run forward and leapt a few feet too early. He's not going to make it! But before he could plummet into the flames below, Robertson again shot his right hand out while his left anchored him to the wall. Not today, my friend. Robertson grabbed Roginsky by his chest straps and with one hand lifted him overhead, crashing down beside Watson and McAllen. We've got to get out of here. Get back to the ship, Anton. Do you read me? Come in. The team sprinted up the remaining steps to get back to the meat locker of the dining hall. The oil rig continued to collapse around them as explosions shuddered the floor they were standing on. We need to get to the elevator. But before McCallan could move, the entire team was suddenly brought to their knees, clutching their faces in pain as it felt like burning acid had been sprayed over their eyes. Some sort of You can't see Herbertson. Make us <laughs> a hole now. We've got to get out of here before we. All
2: too thick, man. I don't have enough firepower to break the Proximity bombs by the dining hall! For the bombs, Robertson!
5: <laughs> On it! Hurry! The wretched gas stung Robertson's eyes so sharply that it was nearly impossible to line up a clean shot. I, I can't see it! Take the shot! Fire everything! As the station tilted hard to the left, three of the proximity bombs laid down by Roginski now tumbled into each other. The HMX grenade launcher from Robertson's minigun let two massive rounds loose but they deployed too far away to detonate the proximity bombs. But as soon as Robertson sprayed the area down with 50 caliber ammunition, the bombs exploded, blowing a gargantuan hole into the side of Iron Gate and sending huge chunks of the oil rig hurling outwards to the Pacific Ocean. Sunlight now streamed into the dining hall and fresh sea air was now venting the toxic gas outwards, but any relief was quickly short-lived. The floor behind the carolins started to rise higher again as the oil rig lurched forward plunging closer to the sea. We're losing the station! We're going down! God's sakes, run for it! we will be trapped! Out! Everybody out! Head for the opening! It's our only chance! Gregor, Can you make it? Go! I'll be behind you. Robertson dropped his enormous gun for the first time since entering the station and ran towards the gaping hole, leaping forward and hurling his body out from the station and down over a hundred feet. Yes. Gregor followed behind him, but staggered in his run. He couldn't clear the distance that Robertson made, and it looked like some of the crumbling station yeah. might fall on top of him when he struck the water. Go, You go first, Watson! Get out of this damn station now, and that's a fucking order! As McAllen steadied herself to sprint towards the gaping hole in the wall, she could peer through the jagged gap and see the brilliant sunlight bursting out of the blue sky above the ocean and streaming into the chaos inside. She ran for her life barely registering the f-22 Raptor that was now in final approach and firing its last air-to-surface missile that would incinerate what remained of Ireland. this
0: is eagle 6 on final approach
2: target acquired in last arrow.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, waited, waited, and waited, and we were promised a second season to the critically acclaimed season one of the Leviathan Chronicles. Tonight, that wait is over. With us tonight, Christoph Lapuca, creator of the Leviathan Chronicles, and a modern pioneer in podcast and audio dramas. Christoph, hello, welcome back, and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. It is fantastic to finally be back. (laughs) Yeah. We
3: were commenting just before the show that it's been, what, almost two years since we last had you on.
0: I I can't believe it. I feel uh, you know. I feel like it's been way too long. I've been out in the cold, and it's nice to be back inside yeah. the world of podcasting again.
3: Right, right. You know, and, and you know, we had chatted just briefly before the show here that you know when we chatted with you, we were nearing the end of season one. You're like, yes, January, season two. We're going to be dropping it. Da-da-da. at least that was the plans at the time. And we waited for a long time for what we now have. Uh, can you just briefly tell us what what have we been waiting for?
0: Well, we're really happy to now announce the release of the Director's Cut of Season 2. Season 2 is the next 25 episodes of the Leviathan Chronicles. Each of our seasons are 25 episodes, and we're also uniquely this time offering a Director's Cut of the first 13 episodes, which are available right now. So we're doing two things right now at Leviathan where we're podcasting one episode for free, dropping it on our podcast feed uh, every two weeks. And if you don't want to wait every two weeks to hear each episode, you can now go to our website, LeviathanChronicles.com, and you can purchase all 13 episodes at once – It's a director's cut version, which means you're going to get one hour of bonus storyline that you're not going to get in the free podcast. So for our listeners that want to listen for free, that's awesome. We just ask that you spread the word and tell people about Leviathan. And if you want to get all of that audio drama goodness right away, we give you an option now that you didn't have before, which is you can purchase 13 episodes at once, um, again, plus an extra hour that you wouldn't be getting. um, And we're calling that the director's cut.
3: Mm, Very cool. Very cool. And my understanding is that it just hit number three in the performing arts on iTunes.
0: Yeah, I was totally amazed by that. We um, we kind of did a, a release late in the day on March 31st, and when I had checked, I, I checked on April Fool's Day, April 1st. So I wondered if a joke was being played on me, but uh, <laughs> but we were actually uh, we're actually number three, which is I think the highest ranking we've ever. Um, we've ever achieved on, in the performing arts section. So oh. we were over the moon thrilled with that.
3: Oh, yeah, and great promotion for you guys.
0: Yeah.
3: Now, you know, you know we, we joked a little bit about, you know, what have we been waiting for? But let's take the question the other way and I think you had answered it before my son interrupted, which I'm going to be editing out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we kind of said, you know, when we talked to you, it's been, it's been a long while and um, initially the plans were, you know, yes, a uh, couple months after season one ended, we were going to have season two out and uh, we waited. Uh, almost two, uh, really almost two years for that to happen. Uh, something that I, you know, Miles and I both listened to episode one and the recap and, uh, I mean episode, yeah, I guess episode one of season two and totally worth it. Uh, but what took so long in the, in that, in that interim?
0: Well, there, there are a couple things that, that went into it. Number one, we, we did release a couple special edition episodes in the meantime. Um, and our special edition episodes, we have five of them now that are available on our site. And those are kind of standalone Leviathan stories that are um, kind of side stories that take place in the, in the Leviathan universe. And those are typically one- to two-hour episodes. So we were, we were working on those. But the most important thing that we, that we switched was... That we decided people can't wait for episodes anymore, so we decided to take one big step back to take a bigger step forward, and by that I mean we. we it did take us two years. We thought we might be able to get it in one year, but we wanted to make sure that we had um, really just about the entire season finished before we started releasing anything. That's very different than season one, where we were, you know, quite frankly, it was our first season. It was my first podcast. We were figuring it out as we went. And season two is very different in that we have one set team. We've got one set music composer. Uh, Luke Allen has been working with us. So all of the music is much more consistent. Um, we have a much better um, uh, production flow in place where we, we kind of know what everybody's role is. And we were kind of figuring that out in season one. But in order for us to take Leviathan up to the next level, we, we really needed to grow our listenership. And one of the impediments to that was we were not releasing consistently in season one. And that's all changed in season two. Now episodes will always come out every two weeks because we have them all done already. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of what's changed and what's taken us so long. So we had to wait until we had at least you know, close to 20 episodes finished before we started releasing any of them. And that's what took so long.
4: Mm, very good. Well, just in case any of our newer listeners may not know, can you please tell us a little about, uh, about the, the world of Leviathan Chronicles? Sure. The Leviathan Chronicles
0: is an audio drama podcast, uh, which takes place in um, uh, a city called Leviathan, which is hidden uh, deep in the trenches of, um, of the Pacific, in the Marianas Trench. And it was founded a thousand years ago by a Valkyrie leader named Evangeline Leifrick. And she sought to kind of distance herself from the religious persecution in the Middle Ages and wanted to create kind of a utopian society away from the influences of mankind. And we kind of start out a little bit giving some background to how that happened, and then we jump to the present time where a civil war erupts within Leviathan between the immortals that want to stay sequestered within Leviathan and those that want to integrate into um, with the rest of mankind. And while all this is going on, there is kind of a nefarious division of the CIA known as the Black Door Group, which learns of the immortals' existence And being immortal, um, they have been able to develop technology that far exceeds that of the rest of humanity, as well as as having a a substantial um, financial power, because essentially if you're going to live for a thousand years and you put your money in at 5%, you'd be a trillionaire by now. So they recognize the Leviathan group as being a threat to U.S. sovereignty, and they seek to eradicate the immortals. So this kind of three-way war is taking place across the globe and uh, in different locations. And one of the things we really sought to do in Leviathan is to take people to different locations using sound. So I want to take you to the slums of India, and I want to take you to posh dinner parties in London, and um, you know, in jets flying across the world, and uh, you know, in, in fish markets in Tokyo. So we we really wanted to give a very strong sense of location and place, and and kind of push what's being done in audio drama as much as we can. Hmm.
3: Cool. You know, one of the things that uh, I appreciated which just brought, it was brought, you know, right back into me as we, as I listened to episode, uh, I guess if it was episode 26, I think you're calling it. Yep, that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, episode 26 is, is how much action packed, how action packed you can, you can make a 25 minute episode and how, and how it feels like you're just constantly going and you do that through the sounds, like you're saying, through the soundscape, but also just the precarious situations you kind of have dropped us into. And um and I felt like it was a breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh, this is my Leviathan. I've got it back again, you know. <laughs> you know, and that that seriously that was the way it felt to me as I was listening. I was like, this is why. This is why I loved this podcast initially, and this is why I'm loving it still. And um, and so, thank you so much for releasing it. I guess let me say
0: that. Um, so <laughs> no, well, th- well, thank you for that. I mean, like it's, I, it, 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 it feels unbelievably good to be listening to Le- on my side, listening to Leviathan again, and and you know we get. Our production process, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more a little bit later, but, you know, is, is we, we get different actors at different times. So um, we didn't get Tully. Um, you know, we were probably at chapter 30. It's season two is 26 through 50. And we were working on 35 before we got any of Tully's performances. Um, Tully is one of our characters in Leviathan who's a treasure hunter based out of Homer, Alaska. He's a and, Scottish guy, I, right? What's
3: that? The Scottish you know, guy?
0: Yeah, this guy, the Irish guy is it, Oberlin okay. St. Clair. Okay, got uh, it. That's the first mate. Tully is the captain. That's right. And, and I hadn't heard his voice in so long. It was it was happy for me as the creator. <laughs> I mean, I'm writing it and we're doing all these sound effects and, and, and it was great to finally insert his voice. I was like, oh, it's like coming back home again. Um, so I, I, I know how you feel. I feel that way myself.
3: Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Evangeline. We just mentioned Tully and Oberlin St. Clair. Who are some of the other major players that are playing out the story we mentioned kind of groups and factions but uh, and i realize that all characters kind of have the role but who are some of the standouts we're seeing this season
0: some of the standouts are harlequin uh who is kind of a rogue immortal and if you um, we explored his origin in one of our special edition episodes called the rogue plague, but essentially Harlequin was once a priest back, um, back in, uh, uh, in, in, the 1500s and he fell in love with Evangeline, but Evangeline made him immortal against his will. And he decided not to become part of the Leviathan collective under, um, uh, under the ocean. And he became kind of this, this, um, uh, Switzerland where he's not really part of Leviathan, he's not really part of the rebellion that went to the surface, and he's kind of become this rogue cat burglar um, that uses the, um, um, the the technology of being immortal to essentially pad his own pockets and leave a very bon vivant life. Uh, and at the end of season one, he sort of had a great deal of tragedy inflicted upon him, and season two is kind of him... Become a very different kind of man than he's been for the last five hundred years, and so it's kind of fun to watch that change. We have a new character that we're introducing, which is his ward, and this is again something we explore in our special edition episodes. There's one called literally the Ward, where um, he has he serves as a father figure to a young um, a young French orphan, a woman named Lisette Manzabiel. He he finds her um, as a as a thief when she's about uh, ten or eleven years old, and he kind of takes her in and, and teaches her. You know, his um, uh, his way of life. And she plays a big role in season two. Um, other characters that we, we have returning characters coming back, like Tully and Oberlin. Our protagonist is named McAllen Orsel. And we found out in season one that uh, you know, we think she is this scientist working at Rockefeller University in New York. But it turns out that her life has been somewhat pre-planned. She's actually a clone of the, um, of the head of the Immortals, Evangeline. And she's been genetically created so that when Evangeline would be assassinated that she could effectively take her place. So um, a, lot of, a lot of characters returning. We have a, a good number of new characters. And uh, I think it's going to be a great season.
4: Very good. What inspired you to do Leviathan Chronicles in the first place? Leviathan Chronicles really came out of um, some scuba
0: diving that I did in, um, in the Bahamas. And I was doing some cave diving with a group of friends. And we were in this one cave that had a little bit of light coming in from the outside. And we were swimming through this cavern and there was sand on the bottom and and the rocks, you know, were kind of surrounding us, and a little bit of light could come in. And it looked like this little, little tiny, tiny, tiny cathedral that we were in. And I thought, if I die here, nobody's gonna ever find me. I am some random pocket of the earth that that is completely hidden. And that was at, you know, maybe about 110 feet. And I kept thinking, what exists at 1,000 feet, at 5,000 feet, at 10,000 feet, or even 35,000 feet underwater? There's so much of the Earth that's underwater that we have no idea what's there. And, I mean, this is it's been kind of fun. During my absence, James Cameron has um, done an expedition down to the Marianas Trench, and it's gotten a lot of attention because people are realizing how we've had more people on the moon than at the bottom of the ocean. That's how unexplored it is. So when you think about that, I was immediately drawn to this being a fertile ground for fiction. Hmm. And I wanted my science fiction to be something that could be conceivably existing at the same time um, as our current reality. And when you think about how little we know about these areas and how much of the earth is unexplored underwater, um, that became a really easy place to, to write Leviathan. And that's really how it came about.
3: And, that, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I remember you talking a little bit about the Mary's Trench and some of the other things we had last time. So it's good to kind of just have that in here as a refresher. Um, mm-hmm. By the mention, by the way, you mentioned um, Harlequin's ward. Is is that the person we meet at the end of this first episode? You, you are
0: awesome. Yes. <laughs> okay. That is that is her. That is a keen ear. Uh, that is Lisette, and yeah. she is um, uh, she is his ward, and her. Her and Harlequin's origin story is explored in one of our special edition yeah. episodes. So, yeah. you know, you, you don't need it to kind of know what's going on. But if you're kind of curious of who this new person is, you can go to the special edition episodes. And, and it's actually a great episode. I really yeah.
4: enjoyed making it. Yeah. Listeners, I encourage you to get it. I listened to it. Um, it's fantastic. Very good. Oh, thank you yeah. very
0: much. I really appreciate
4: <laughs> yeah, that.
3: We'll tell people where to get that in just a little bit. You know, um, from what I've read and from what I guess I've been reading through some of your notes you've been releasing on the website – um, that the first half of season two is essentially is is I guess uh, finished as far as production value, and you're kind of finishing up the second half of season two. Is that a correct assessment?
0: That is correct. Yeah. Um, we uh, we still have a couple episodes to finish, um, and we we anticipate being able to release the uh, the second twelve or thirteen episodes as a director's cut in a few months. Um, but what we're able to kind of guarantee right now is that our podcast releases that we put in our iTunes feed um, is going to be uninterrupted. So um, so we had enough that we felt comfortable releasing, um, kind, of, kind of starting the cycle. So we dropped 26 uh, on Sunday. Uh, a week later, we usually drop what we call a soapbox episode, which is kind of where we do interviews with the cast and crew. And then the week after that, we do the next episode. So every two weeks, you get fresh Leviathan audio drama content. But every week, you get some sort of Basic Leviathan content, and if people right. don't want to listen to kind of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, that's cool too. We just want to have it out there for some of the die fans.
3: Yeah, very good. Well, so, I guess what what I'd like to find out is from start to finish, what what goes in to put in together. What's the process of putting out the Leviathan Chronicle episode? Because all we hear really is the finished product, which really represents hours and hours and hours of your time so take us from walk us through from maybe the inception down to release what are some of the steps that are going on in the in audio drama for some of our listeners that may not be aware of that
0: well i think everybody does their audio drama a little bit differently and that's one of the great things about the the medium Um, some people do it you know kind of as kind of a uh an audio book with characters some people do full cast some people use a narrator some people don't our our goal is to treat it as much like a motion picture as possible. And then that's actually something we, we've developed a lot more in season two. The, uh, the process starts with me writing the script and uh, um, I'll, I'll write it and then I'll give it to our director, Nobi Nakanishi, and also to our two post-production sound engineers, uh, Robin Shore and Luke Allen. Um, Nobi is with me. Robin and, and, and Nobi are with me in New York City. Luke is down in Austin, Texas. The very next step we do is we create a read-through. So um my narrator Samantha Parker who's fantastic um will usually get her narration very quickly and then I will read the voice of all of the characters. So you've got the narrator and then you've got me very poorly impersonating all of our, our all of our great actors. And that guide track allows Luke and Robin to start putting in sound effects, composing music and creating kind of the skeleton while we wait for all the different actors and what people need to realize is in, in a given episode, we have maybe 12 or so different actors um, that, uh, that are sending in their performances. And, you know, it's, it's a little hard. People go away on trips. They, uh, they have work obligations. They have family obligations. So, you know, just as soon as I write it, 12 voices don't come in. It may take a couple of weeks for that to happen. And what, we're, what we weren't doing in season one is we're like, oh, waiting for those voices to come in. I guess we can't start production. So what we've changed now is this idea of the guide track where it kind of lets all the cylinders of our production team be functioning simultaneously. So Nobi is responsible for then getting the actors, getting the best performances out of them. Um, and at, at the point that we have all of the actors and um, at least the basic sound effects, I'll sit down with either Luke or Robin and we'll start um, getting through the, the sound effects and like that's the wrong gun. You need to have you know a semi-automatic weapon, not a full auto. Um, I need a prop plane, not a jet plane. And we'll start going through all the different sound effects, and we'll sit down. And you know, we the the, the episode you listened to, chapter twenty-six, that we worked on that for probably about six months. And all that sounds crazy for a twenty-five minute. We didn't work on it exclusively for six months, but we'd work on it. And when we first heard it, I got to be honest, I looked at Rob and I'm like, this sucks. This is absolutely terrible. Like what, what's happened to us? Why can't – this isn't sounding compelling. It's slow. It's not – and it was terrible. And, and we just slowly chiseled away at it to bring up the energy level and to make it more chaotic, to make it sound more vivid, more visceral. And, and you know, it just – it takes a while. So you know, if we can get an episode done in three weeks to a month, we're really honking. And it's uh, – mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting a little faster at that. And what we did differently this year is we were, we were hitting a point in our production where things were just taking too long. And I said, screw it. We need to all live together. and We all need to, to treat this like a movie shoot. So we rented a house down in Austin, Texas for, uh, for about seven weeks. And everybody took a leave of absence and we all lived together um, to just live and breathe Leviathan and audio drama. And I was just, you know, spending my mornings writing and spending the afternoon working with um, Luke and Rob and either listening to music or editing or going through everything. And we, you know, we probably got about 10 episodes, including a special edition done during that time. And we needed that to kind of get us over our production hump. So those, that, that's kind of what's, what's going on to, to, to produce an episode.
3: Wow. And so tons, tons of work. And, uh, you know, we get to enjoy the finished product, but it's tons of work from your end to kind of bring that out.
0: It's it's uh, more than you would think. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, you do you did mention that you kind of in, in the rough in the rough cut, that you're voicing like all the characters. The question I have for you is: Do you voice any of the
0: characters? <laughs> I I will admit to voicing one of the characters, and because that's I Sension. thought I heard
3: your voice. Mm-hmm.
0: Sentient is the uh, um, is the leader of the rebellions. He he's he's the leader of the faction of Immortals that decided to leave Leviathan and set up base um, on the surface. Um, so I do voice that character, and we're
4: going to leave it at that. Okay. you have, <laughs> have to figure dude, the rest as, out for as yourself. You get, as
0: you get through season two, I, I welcome your guesses.
4: <laughs> um, but you, you're being too hard on yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, can you ask the next question?
4: What have you – I mean, This, this you're, you're – you're scriptwriter, producer. You're the creator. What have you learned as being as as a audio book audio drama uh, creator producer? You know, I think I think the medium has
0: changed so much since I started, and and that's both embarrassing and, and exciting at the same time. It's embarrassing that you know I've been you know we've been doing this so long, and uh, and we only have you know twenty five you know twenty six episodes to show for it. But, um, but I started this out trying to essentially be a book author and now that's not what I want to do anymore. I want to, um, I'd love to do a book deal if anybody's listening, I think that'd be great, but I really <laughs> see our future in, um, in, in audio drama. And, you know, and I think, and it's not just true for Leviathan, I think for most people, some of the great contemporary audio drama that's being made right now, like the guys that we're alive are fantastic. That's a zombie mm-hmm. yeah. podcast that's put out by, um, by Casey Whalen. I yeah. think it's, it's just terrific. And, um, Uh, and the Byron Chronicles and 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 all this new audio drama that's coming, if if you if anybody hasn't heard it and you just put the headphones on their head and they listen, everybody thinks it's great. It's just that most people don't know what it is or that it's out there. And so so now what's what's kind of changing my ambitions is I, I want to create an audio drama studio. And this is um you know this is what I want to do full time. I think it's it's both more profitable and also more fulfilling as a storyteller. To be, um, to be telling stories through this medium, through audio drama. Um, you know, in terms of production, what I've learned is that we, we needed to be a lot more disciplined in terms of what everybody's role is and to really have one fixed team where everybody's on kind of the same page. And in season one, we had a lot of different people working on music and it was hard because, you know, Luke knows exactly how stuff's supposed to sound. And when McCallum comes in, you know, there's a musical theme associated with the character. You know, the music you're gonna hear for her in, in chapter 26 is gonna be very similar to the music you hear from her in, in chapter 29 and chapter 35, so that your mind is almost automatically going to, oh, here's McCallum. And it's familiar, not just because of her voice, but we created an, an ambient soundscape that's gonna be evocative of this character. Mm. And that only happens when you've got one composer that's willing to stick with you for that entire time. And, and, you know, because Leviathan takes a long time, we've had a lot of actors come and go. We've had a lot of sound engineers come and grow. Um, so it's, it's been difficult to have the consistency that really makes it, you know, that really takes the production up to the next level. We have that in place now and that's why I've been able to, to get season two done.
3: Mm. And it sounds some, some awesome things. And You're right. Podcasting has changed itself and and not, not to mention the, uh, the audio drama world, I think, has really ratcheted up a notch. So,
0: it, it it has. It's it's um you know it, it podcasting has kind of come in 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 waves. You know, I feel like at first it was like this great indie thing, and everybody thought it was going to be like the next you know the next big thing, and everybody was you know trying to trying to jump on board, and and people were throwing advertising money at it, and then it kind of died down a little bit, um and people were like eh you know podcasting hasn't really caught on. Um, as much as I think you know, all of us here would would like it to, right. um, And and now it seems like it's coming back, like with a lot of the comedy podcasts that are coming in, and like with the Nerdist, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of having a little bit of a resurgence from a lot of the big studios that are that are trying to utilize the medium to help grow their audience. So you know, it kind of comes in waves, and I think now is a good time. To be putting out a you know a professional level podcast like yours and like like Leviathan and I think that um, the expectations are higher but but I think there is a you know a, a strong audience growth that, that's occurring right now. No,
4: wow. what I've learned is that a lot of uh, aspiring authors that want to get their books into print or at least maybe a you know a, a you know a download um, they'll they'll do podcasting first th- th- just to try to you know find an audience first. So it, I think,
0: I think that 's true, and I think you know what 's interesting about it now is you know a lot of people were doing that back when when, when we all started back in you know in eight but that was before ebooks and that was before you know all this um, you but know, before really the, the the iTunes store really allowed you to to, to essentially self publish in, mm-hmm. in the way that Amazon does now, so now you know it used to be people were podcasting to build an audience so they could get a publisher, and now you know, I I was hanging out with Scott Sigler in New York the other day, and you know we were debating the merits of even having a publisher now because if you're a published author with a traditional you know uh, you know big New York publishing deal, you know out of a thirty dollar hardcover book you're maybe getting ten percent or less of that. That's a very slim margin. Right. Um, you know where you've got an ebook, you might be keeping you know anywhere from seventy to eighty percent of that. Now you know maybe you don't sell as many ebooks as you do. Hardcover books are a big deal, but you're you're keeping a much bigger percentage of it. So the way everybody's looking at it, it's a lot different. You can kind of be, I think, a little bit of more the master of your own destiny now than maybe you could be a while ago. Uh, so it's exciting as as a content creator.
3: And I would think there's something very satisfying too about that.
0: There is. It's um, you know, it's I think I think that there's enough. I think I think the audience has grown enough now where if you're doing something. You, I think I think the audience has grown sophisticated enough now that you know they're willing to listen and pay for something that doesn't necessarily have a big corporation's stamp on it, and they're recognizing that like things like Fifty Shades of Grey started out as fan fiction, and and people are recognizing that a self-published book can often be a very good book and, and worth paying for. Um, there's a lot of stuff that isn't good, <laughs> right, right. but um, but it's uh, it's it's an exciting time to be indie. Hmm.
3: Wait, now, um, now, so listeners who have been following Leviathan Chronicles, let's go back to Leviathan just a little bit here. Um, it, it, listeners who have been following Leviathan Chronicles for some time now, as season two progresses, we don't want to obviously give any spoilers, not that you would give us to them anyways, but is there anything <laughs> that we can be looking forward to that you can tell us without giving too much away? There's...
0: There's a couple main story arcs that we're following right now. But generally, where season one was a little bit more of a season of discovery and learning about the universe, this season is about keeping that universe from collapsing. And everybody on all sides of this war, everybody in Leviathan, everybody in the Rebellion, and everybody in Black Door has taken a huge hit. All of these sides have been hurt in some way and handicapped in some way. And so in certain ways, they're all a little bit more desperate right now to, um, to effectively save themselves and to kind of um, dominate over the other groups. And what we revealed at the end of season one was the fact that when Evangeline, a thousand years ago, an Alien Spacecraft, Crashed into medieval Norway. And Evangeline Liefrik, the leader of the immortals, nursed two ailing aliens back to health. And in exchange for that, they gave her the immortality and the technology to build Leviathan. Well, the secret we revealed in our finale was that she kept those aliens prisoner the entire time. So they've been prisoners in Leviathan for a thousand years. And it kind of puts a different spin on who Evangeline is. We start off season 20 – start off season 2, chapter 26, with Evangeline still in a coma. So we don't know what she knows and we don't know why she kept those aliens prisoner. But we do know this. The aliens leapt through a portal at the end of season 1 and now we don't know where they are. So a lot of season 2 is all these different parties trying to find out the – trying to find out where the aliens are on Earth Mm -hmm. and exactly what they were doing here on Earth to begin with. And that's really the thrust of – of the second season,
2: yeah.
3: Well, I gotta tell you when they when they dropped that in, I, I don't know if it was in the season one recap or it was in the uh, in the first episode of season two here. When when they were talking about Evangeline and having her and how she how she kept them prisoner, I kind of was, you know, kind of my thoughts on Evangeline kind of changed. And I, I think did you? It had been a while since I had heard that. So, but it, I was like, oh, she's not as. Good right. as I thought she was, uh, and yet, and yet we don't. As you said, we don't really. We, you do, but we, we as listeners, don't really know the motivation for why she did it. If maybe these aliens were a threat to society, or what, and or if um, she was
0: being selfish and just wanted to maintain the power that she had. Right, and, we and, don't and, know.
3: And depending what that is, you know, that changes how we feel about Evangeline, and we won't know that till she's out of the coma, probably. If, exactly. If, 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 if even then. So, <laughs> right, to put that, that caveat in. Um, you know, we've been, as we said, you know, we've been waiting. You mentioned earlier that if you don't want to wait, because after all, waiting's for the birds. Uh, if we don't want to wait every two weeks for a new episode, that we can buy the special edition, uh, I guess the director's cut of season two, available on the LeviathanChronicles.com website. Um, is, is there anything special that they get by buying that and not waiting uh extra footage, extra scenes or anything like that.
0: Yeah, there's uh there's a there's about an hour of extra content that we put into the director's cut. So that's um probably about five or six scenes that we did not put into the uh the podcast feed that are in the director's cut. And they kind of flesh out some of the characters. You if you're listening to the to the free podcast feed, you're going to get a great story, but if you buy the director's cut, there's, um, there's, there's a couple extra scenes in there that kind of add a little bit more dimension to, uh, to some of the characters and some of the situations that, um, that, you're, that you're hearing. So um, uh, there's um, – I'm trying to think how to describe some of the director's cut scenes without giving too much away. I think we might end up listening to some of them um, on some of the clips that we have. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to describe them by necessarily giving too much away. Right, but
3: you'll but, you'll hear. We'll, we'll play some of the clips uh, before we actually do the interview here tonight. You will have heard some of them, and at the end we'll throw some in. So mm-hmm. you'll be able to hear, and they'll be out of context, but you'll get a little feel for what. If you don't hear them in the regular uh, episodes that you see coming on the plate, you'll be able to figure out. Oh, those must be in the special edition. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right.
4: Now, for our new listeners who, who have joined us since we had had you on two years. For those who don't want to jump in the middle of a book, is season one is still available? Absolutely. You can go to
0: our website. You, you can go to um, well actually you can go to our website, Leviathanchronicles.com. We have them um, on our website. But you can just go to iTunes and you can download them for free there, starting with chapter one. And uh, season one was one through twenty-five, and chapter twenty-six is is in that feed right now too. So if you're just discovering Leviathan right now, you can just go to iTunes and start listening right through. And when you get to chapter twenty-five, you can buy the director's cut, or you can keep listening and uh, and wait for the new episodes to drop.
3: Hmm. Now, uh, rumors have it that that season two is not the only one we'll be getting a director's cut of, and that in the works we might get a season one director's cut somewhere down the pike. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely, we're um, uh, we do want to create a a director's cut of season one, and that's really come out of the work that we've done in season two. So as we as we started perfecting our craft and we started listening to what we were able to do with some different leveling techniques that we've been using now to kind of make the sound a little bit more vibrant and, and the way that we've been cutting dialogue um, you know, we, we, we were listening to, you know, to, to so much of what we were doing in season two. And then on the way down to Austin, uh, we drove down because we had so much sound equipment and flying didn't, didn't make a lot of sense. So Robin and I drove from New York to Austin. We had about three days and we listened to a lot of audio drama. And one of the things we listened to was, Hey, let's, let's listen to our old episodes and see, you know, let's kind of get in the mood and let's figure what we're doing. And we, you know, found some of it, you know, very difficult to listen to just because as you know, as the architects of that, we're like, oh, we wouldn't use that sound effect anymore, or, you know, that that level was wrong, or I liked that, but I didn't like this. And so, you know, kind of knowing what we know now, uh, we see a lot of things that we'd like to change and improve. And there's a couple scenes that I really wanted to add in season one that I didn't get a chance to. So um, right now, our, our our efforts are fully dedicated towards finishing up season two, but eventually we want to get to kind of doing what bringing season one up to the same speed because if you listen to season one and you liked it from a just from a production standpoint season two is going to blow you away because we've when i listen to the two back to back i mean there's just a different level of sound quality that we were able to achieve and i'm just so proud of that i mean it's not saying that i'm a, a great writer and anything, just like strictly on production value i've been just so pleased with it. So, eventually, we want to get season one back up to that standard and be able to have the two kind of side by side.
3: Yeah. And you know what's awesome about this, Miles? I don't know if you remember, but I love Leviathan Chronicles back in season one.
0: Oh, me too. You know, you know, mm-hmm.
3: and you started out when you started out with episode one from the get go, episode one, I enjoyed. And I know when we talked to you uh, last time, Christoph, you mentioned how the production value changed even throughout season one for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it did. It's um, you know, again, you, you you learn as you go, and that was that was our first you know, when I started this, I, I didn't even know that it was called audio drama. I just I listened to a lot of the podcast authors that you know, like JC Hutchins and Merle Lafferty and um, Matt Wallace and all the guys that, that that we hear and I was like, Oh, these stories are great. You know, God, I wonder why they don't put any actors in it, or there should be a sound effect for that punch or there should be um, you know, some some music to to capture this moment. And I just was like, Okay, let me write my own story that way. And and before I knew it, I was doing something called audio drama, and uh, it really came out of that level of naivete. But um, but as we learned how to do it, we 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 saw a lot. Of, we we learned a lot of techniques that we wish we could have applied in the earlier episodes. You you learn by doing, of course, and um, you know we we definitely want to. Do something for season one. It's not going to happen real soon, but we we absolutely want to create it so you can get eventually a season one, two, and, and possibly a season three that are all kind of even in terms of the production quality and um,
4: uh, and the sound levels. Yeah,
3: so maybe in time for Christmas.
4: Maybe in time for Christmas.
0: Yeah,
3: it's, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you know, you know. All that being said, did you have something? You want to yeah,
4: say? I wanted to ask you, Christoph. while we have you on. I mean, you've you, you've you've been kind enough to mention other uh, audio books and audio dramas that you uh, you like. Can you recommend to us and our listeners uh, maybe one maybe something you 're enjoying right now or something we should be listening to um,
0: like i said the the we 're alive guys are are terrific so we 're alive is um is a podcast um, it, it's a it 's a kind of a zombie apocalypse podcast, and they have got an, an incredible cast and what 's fun about audio drama and I meant it when I said there's a lot of different ways to do it and not just from a storytelling side but they do things a little differently where they have access to a great soundstage in L.A. And so when they record episodes, it's, it's the opposite of the way that we do it. They have like 10 actors in a room with 10 different mics in a circle all going at each other and they're really acting out like there are these torture scenes or pull scenes and they're like holding each other down like acting out some of the scenes. Um, and, and and it creates a very visceral performance. Um, so we're alive. Is if you're liking audio drama, is a great podcast. Um, uh, Byron Chronicles is another great audio drama podcast uh, that is a little bit more fantasy, um, a little bit more magic related. And and I still love Scott Sigler stuff. Um, he, he's he's a friend. He's a terrific author. And what I l- like about Scott Sigler's audiobooks and his podcast is that. He does such a great job of creating these these big universes, and and if you're if you're the kind of person that wants to kind of throw yourself in another world that has its own set of like, rules, its own set of physics and science and goals and motivations and races, uh, Scott Sigler's stuff is just so terrific for that because he's really um, he's really good at at creating these um uh these these genres these mm-hmm. these uh, these worlds these franchises that are really encompassing. So he'll create a, a universe that'll have three, four, five books in it. So it's, um, it's pretty fun stuff to listen to.
3: Hmm. I, I wanted to go back and just say one comment about season one before we uh, depart from that. Um, you know, we were talking about the audio quality and how you grew through it. I just want to make it clear to our listeners that season one is still, in spite of that, is still a phenomenal listen. Huh. And, and you and you got to understand that uh, when Christoph talks about it, he's talking about a lot of the technical stuff and some of the stuff that he hears in it. But as listeners, I mean, unless you're really an audiophile where you pick up on that stuff, most of the listeners listening to that will really enjoy that story. Wouldn't you say, Miles?
4: Absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I understand Kristoff is wanting to put the best product he can out, but, uh, you know, season one is still... Is still is still phenomenal. It very very entertaining. Very entertaining. I don't. I mean, if you're not too much of a snob on that, I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you'll you, you know. You're that Miles is calling you a snob, Christoph.
3: I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I like but, that.
4: But, but but you know, sometimes <laughs> being a snob is a good thing. I mean, and you're, you're, I mean, you're trying to make your product better. But but seriously, I mean, you're not going to lose anything by listening to anything yeah. in season one.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I yeah. hope oh people. Uh, yeah i mean I, th- I think for the new listeners that are there i think it's a it's a fun journey to go through i mean you'll if you start at if it's the first time hearing Leviathan uh, go to iTunes check out chapter one and um you know and listen for a couple episodes and i think uh you'll get a you'll get a sense of of the production quality we're trying to create and um, uh and hopefully the journey you know keeps taking you through all the uh, subsequent chapters. So I want to get – I
3: want to find out more about the Leviathan Chronicle world and where I can pick up some of the merchandise we've been talking about. Where can I go for that?
0: You can go to LeviathanChronicles.com. There's a big icon there for purchase episodes and that takes you to our store page. At the story page, you can get the director's cut of season two. Um, that's on sale right now for 19.99, 99 and that will give you the first 13 episodes plus the uh, extra hour of bonus storyline that you won't get in the podcast. And in addition to the director's cut, you'll see each of our five special edition episodes that we have available right now. And those are each standalone stories that are kind of their own story arc they're anywhere from one to two hours, um, and they're for sale for I believe two ninety nine each. Um, and if you're listening to a little bit of season one and you want to hear more of some of the characters and and what their origin stories are, the the, the special edition episodes are a great way to to um, to kind of get a, to kind of flesh out season one a little bit more. And you'll also meet some of the characters that now appear in season two. Right. So some of the season two characters actually started in the special edition episodes that um that we have available so everything's at leviathanchronicles.com um you can check everything out there and um uh hopefully everybody enjoys it
3: yeah and there's a huge database of different ships and drawings and background information <laughs> you can also get there so so very cool well Christoph i just want to say thank you so much for joining us here on the sci-fi diner tonight
0: oh thank you so much it, it feels so great to be back i'm it's a pleasure to be here and and talking with uh with you guys i mean it's uh you know, I've been looking forward to this day to be able to be able to back on your show and 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 have Leviathan be back and and be very proud of what we released. So, uh, it's really a pleasure to be back guys. I really mean that. Thank you for having me.
5: The surface of the North Pacific Ocean erupted in fire, ash and sulfurous smoke. The pilot of the F-22 Raptor that deployed from Elmendorf Richardson Air Force Base pulled hard on the flight stick and resumed his cruising altitude of 50,000 feet on a northern heading to return to base. Bits of steel and metal detritus continued to rain down on the ocean for a full cool minute after the devastating GBU-32 JDAM bombs struck the abandoned rig known as Iron Gate, annihilating any trace of its existence above the ocean. Slicks of oil spread searing rivers of fire along the surface of the Gulf of Alaska, and the water churned as small pockets were brought to a boil. McAllen also couldn't remember exactly what had happened or understand exactly where she was. She vaguely recalled there was a panic and then a great urgency and that something had gone very, very wrong and that somehow all of it was her fault. McAllen had been sprinting towards an opening in the mess hall of Gate when the bombs hit. Her body was violently thrown over a hundred feet outside the structure and struck the surface of the ocean brittily, causing her vision and mind to fog over in a haze. The icy Alaskan water instantly forced all the air from her lungs and ripped cruelly at her skin. And while she was vaguely aware of it, she made little effort to hold the ocean's steady downward pull of her body underneath its surface. The frigid seawater splashed over McAllen's face and filled half of her mouth every time she strained to take a breath. The sky, which had shone clear, bright blue earlier in the day, was now obscured by soot, smoke, and flame. Soon, the freezing ocean water found its way into McAllen's lungs, and there was no voice left in her mind to try to stop it. The cacophony of explosions and fire became more muted, and all the distinct sounds blended together and grew further away. Her body drifted downward into the deep green mist in graceful slow motion allowing her limbs to float limply out in front of her.
2: have you, McAllen. I have you. Breathe for me. Come on, we're almost to the ship.
5: Anton swam powerfully towards the Zephyr, which was floating 15 yards away. The rear loading hatch was completely down, opening the interior of the cabin to the elements and allowing seawater to drift inside. It also created a perfect ramp for Anton to drag McAllen's wilted body into the cabin, before closing the hatch and beginning CPR to resuscitate her. Anton laid McAllen on the floor and tore open her flak jacket, placing his hands over one another and pumping up and down on her chest. After 30 seconds, he tilted her head back and squeezed her nostrils shut, blowing into her mouth. Come on, McAllen, breathe. A part of his heart sank as he felt the coldness in her body, and he searched desperately for some sign of life within her. He repeated the sequence four four, times before finally... (laughs) McAllen gasped for air and began coughing violently.
1: Where should they end on it? Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top five, the worst five, of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in five minutes or less. Well, Miles,
4: that was an awesome interview. It's always fun talking to Christoph. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Mm-hmm. Well, before
3: we leave mm-hmm. here, we have um, our sci-fi five and five that we got to share with people. Yeah, so we're
4: gonna say goodbye to Walking Dead until uh, the fall, but I
3: to yeah. like October thirty first
4: or something like that. Yes, <laughs> but uh, so I found some great uh, Walking Dead quotes and um, spoiler alert. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, no, no spoilers here, folks. Uh, some of them for this last season, some of them from season one.
3: Very good. Well, why don't you? Uh, do you want to do everyone with one? I'll take the I'll take the evens. You take the odds.
4: Okay, so. Number five is, uh, this is uh, Daryl saying to Merle, you lost your hand because you're a simple minded piece of, you know what?
3: <laughs> a mierda, right? Yeah. <laughs> so a poop. Um, and number four, this is also, you love Daryl here. These are Daryl quotes. Yeah, a lot of good <laughs> Daryl quotes. So uh, Daryl says, You got some balls for a Chinaman. Glenn says, I'm Korean. Daryl's, Whatever. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, you can just kind of see that going on between Glenn and him. Uh, this is, this is Number three, This is a Daryl code also. The line's pretty clear. Zero tolerance for walkers.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Herschel, another one of my favorites. My father didn't bother with comforting lies. He used his fist. He's a loveless, violent drunk and no good to anybody. He drove me from home when I was 15. Didn't lay eyes on this place again for many years. I was not at his deathbed, Rick. I would not grant him that. And on his place, eh, and to this day... Oh, and to this day, do not regret it. Some men do not earn the love of their sons. I don't see you having that problem. Yeah, that's it's a very powerful quote, right? And very telling rehearsal.
4: Oh yeah. Well, I know Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, this is this this is uh, season four. This is from Rick. I couldn't sacrifice one of us for the greater good because we are the greater good. He says, "I'm not your governor. We choose to go. We choose to stay. We stick together." he concedes that he doesn't want to be the only person making decisions for the group anymore. Yeah. So this was... Um, well,
3: it's an immense burden. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: And this was... He was saying this, you know, either he's a leader, you know, either you follow him or or, or grow, and he said, no, I can't be that person anymore. We were, you know, seeing what, what, what the governor was like. So, yeah. Yeah.
3: Huh. Well, thank you for bringing us those top five Walking Dead quotes. My pleasure. Yeah. So... I think that about wraps up the show. This is this has been a good show. It, it, it has, yes. So uh, we will see you uh, in, uh, next week when we bring our next listener feedback show. Again, if you want to share your thoughts on what's going on in the world of sci-fi, you can call 1-888-508-4343. Don't forget, we have the Sci-Fi Rewind coming up. Watch Fifth Element. Let us know your thoughts by April 16th. We need those in by that time. So hopefully you have enough time after listening to this episode.
4: I believe that's about it, Miles. All right, well, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you.
1: Thank you so much for visiting the Sci Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1 888 508 4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifydinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar. At sci
5: Oberlin and Tully were roughly pushed into their chairs before one of the Yakuza took several sets of steel handcuffs and fastened them tightly to their arms and legs, biting into their skin. And then, without another word, all the men in the room turned and walked out, leaving Tully and Oberlin alone, facing each other for over three hours. I
2: can't feel my hands, Tully. Hey, don't talk, buddy. If they hear us, they're only going to make it worse. Worse? Jesus. Jesus. Look at him. What the hell did I do to this guy? best friend. Look at the lines around his mouth and under his eyes. Poor guy should have never met me. If only I had...
5: The metal door snapped open and the three Yakuza henchmen re-entered the room while a fourth walked slowly behind them. The fourth man wore a grey pinstripe suit with a matching vest adorned by a silver pocket watch. He walked to the middle of the room and took a moment to appraise Tully and Oberlin before removing his jacket and handing it to one of the other gangsters. He placed the alligator-skin attaché case he carried upon a wooden table at the far end of the room. Beside the wooden table was a small kitchenette with a sink and burner that was now being used to boil water. As the grey-suited man slowly rolled up the sleeves of his Ascot Chang shirt, Tully could see a set of colourful tattoos sprouting up from his shirt collars that adorned almost all of his neck and arm.
2: Good morning, Mr. Tully. Forgive me, I... I didn't realize it was morning. Normally there's a bagel involved, but we I... We need to get an early start on the day. Well, I don't know if we need to rush into him. The
5: fist of the grey-suited man exploded into Tully's exposed stomach. He didn't have time to tense his abdomen before all the air was viciously forced out of his lungs.
2: That was your coffee.
5: Another blistering punch, this time to Tully's head, causing a white flash to cover his vision.
2: And that was your bagel. So, now that you're awake... We can begin the day's important work. Do you know who I am, Mr. Tully? You, you do that video, <coughs> Gangham Style. I am the accountant for the oil boom, and today we are here to bring all of our accounts into parts.
5: Blood now dripped out of the gap where Tully's incisor used to be and collected on his Hello Kitty t-shirt that was now soaked in sweat. please.
2: Stop! You've got to let us go. We can get you any money that you want.
5: One of the thugs standing beside Oberlin shot a right hook straight across Oberlin's temple, causing his vision to double. The grey-suited man was nonplussed, turning ever so slightly in Oberlin's direction.
2: Unless I am speaking to you, I'm not interested in having you speak. No, I'm more interested in Mr. Dolly.
4: I'm flattered, really but is there any way I could get a donut?
2: Your humor is misplaced. There is nothing humorous about the situation you are in or the debt that you have ignored.
5: Without saying a word, one of the other Yakuza poured a half cup of green tea into a small cast iron mug and handed it to the gray-suited man.
2: My accounts show that you owe $250,000 before interest to the Yakuza, Mr. Tully, and there has been almost no payment on this loan since its inception, despite our attempts to contact you. I find this very disturbing.
5: The gray-suited man poured the scalding contents of his teacup over Tully's left hand, which instantly turned a blistering shade of red. Tully's head snapped back like a rag doll, and his broken nose leaked more blood, covering his shirt and pants. His head fell forward, limp and unconscious. One of the nearby Yakuza thugs threw an ice bucket of water at Tully's face. The grey suited man leaned in close and grabbed Tully's jaw with his hand, their faces just inches from each other. Our work is
2: just beginning.
5: Mr. Talley. For
2: God's sake, stop it. This isn't going to get you your money any faster. Just stop it. We'll do whatever you want. Hit me. I'm the guy you want beat up. This was all my fault. I stole the money. Do you hear me? I stole all the Yakuza's money. I'm the guy you should be torturing.
5: The man in the gray suit stopped and turned around to fully face Oberlin for the first time.
2: Mr. St. Clair, I promise you that your pain will be equal to your friend's. But instead of being struck, you will have to watch him suffer. And he will suffer terribly for a very long time until he finally just disappears. And then there will be nothing left of him except the images of him in your mind that you will never be able to erase. No! No, you fucking bastard! You can't do this! We can get you the money. Do you hear me? We'll get you your money. Just wait.
5: The grey-suited man turned away to the wooden table nearby that held his attache case. He reached in and unrolled a leather sleeve containing various cruel-looking instruments, laying them on the dirty floor for both Tully and Oberlin to see. He picked a gleaming set of steel pliers and tossed it to the thug standing behind Oberlin.
2: Every time he looks away, or even drops his head, pull out a tooth.
5: Tully suddenly lifted up his head and regained a small modicum of coherence. His left eye was nearly shut, and every breath seemed to spit blood from his mouth. Leave him
2: alone. He didn't do anything. This is my debt. This is my fault. You gotta let him go. Nice of you to join us again, Mr. Tully. You're weaker than I expected. We'll have to take special precautions so that you don't fade out and take any more unexpected vacation. We still have a great deal of work ahead of us. Look, please. I'll I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Please, no more. I'll do whatever you want. I'll tell you everything. (laughs) Uh, But, Mr. Tully, I haven't asked you any questions. Oh, God, he's right. Please, no.
5: The thought suddenly filled Tully with a sickening sense of dread. The grey-suited man hadn't asked any questions of Tully or Oberlin. He didn't seem to want anything from Tully or Oberlin, for that matter. The man wasn't asking when Tully would get the money back. The grim realization set in that the time for repayment had passed. Tully had nothing to bargain with.
2: No, please...
5: No, the beating then please went please on for no. hours.
2: No leaving us the gray-suited
5: oh, no. man was relentless at striking Tully in the face, oh, head, oh, arms, yes. stomach, and chest. Always a slightly different spot anything. so that a new bruise would form. Oh. Tully oh, faded in and out of consciousness. Never out for more than a minute before cold water was splashed on his face. or smelling salts were used to revive him. Your
2: count is not yet settled.
5: Oberlin looked on in horror, desperately please. wanting Help. to close his eyes. But he knew that the other Yakuza oh. never allowed him to leave their gaze for an instant.
2: Why would you...
5: As they would unfailingly obey the order Whatever to pull out his teeth, he looked you, away from the spectacle of his it. best friend being physically destroyed. Both Tully and Oberlin were growing ready to welcome death. The grey-suited man finally stopped his assault for a brief moment in order to check his watch.
2: Ah, I'm afraid our time must come to a brief end, Mr. Tully. It seems that you are very popular. You have a very honored guest that has come all the way from Tokyo. Just to see you, I certainly hope. You will pay him the proper respect, Mr. Tully.